1: The Province Force Podcast.
0: Welcome to The White Towel and, as they used to say in 70s sitcoms, to a very special episode of The White Towel. Uh, Joined by a special guest, Mr. David Pratt, who, just to to let you guys know what we're going to do on this podcast, Dave's going to talk a little bit about a new venture that he has coming up. Teaser. We will also talk about the Canucks, the draft, uh, Stanley Cup. What's transpired? Our love for Toronto, all teams, Toronto, and then Dave will. The story will finish up with some, uh, some more specifics about uh, Dave's new venture and the business of sports radio, sports media, uh, in general. So, Dave, welcome. It is great to be here. Uh,
1: talk Finally. about the journey, yeah. What what took you so long?
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, for those listening, we have new offices here, uh, Broadway and Renfrew Broadway Tech Center. And um, crossing the Granville or Broad Street Bridge to the other side of the False Creek for Dave is yeah. like going to Narnia. Yeah. They're just these bridges that go into clouds, so he he found it a little <laughs> difficult to get here. But the thing was, I said to him, just just treat it like you're going to the old Pacific Coliseum, and and instead of going left to Brannigans, go right. <laughs> you'll end up at the Broadway Tech Center. So so here. We we are. <laughs> the amazing part was
1: the security guy who, who got me up here. Um, uh, all he wanted
0: to talk about was my time at Stampede Wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe we'll do that in the next podcast here, okay. we Um Speaking of podcasts, you okay. did want to talk about your new venture, so why don't you tell people what you're going to be doing? Absolutely. It is the Pratcast at
1: Pratcast.ca, and uh, really excited about it. It is a brand-new world. It, it has been an amazing journey the last three months or so to go and reinvent yourself. Uh, it's one thing you can do fairly easily in your 20s. It gets a little more difficult as as the years roll along. But clearly where the industry is going and uh, the opportunity was there, uh, when I got into it and actually did my homework And understood what this white towel thing that you guys do all the time is all about. It is amazing. It is it has exploded in the last year and a half. It is a multi billion dollar industry now and there is no limit to it all. And there are and you know what the best part of it is? There's You don't need bosses. You don't need bosses (laughs) and there's no rule book.
0: None. Zero. Yeah, we, because of the publishing format here, we get, we could get a little looser with our language, but we don't go the whole way. But the great thing about podcasts is you can do whatever you want. You're right. Um So that's your podcast.ca. We will talk about that when we finish up just a little bit more, when we speak more generally about media, but let's get into the Canucks because sure. um the draft is upon us. Now, again, we've, we talked about this before we uh started, you know, podcasts are not immediate. They're not meant to be post game. They're meant to have some longevity. So sure. there is a game seven tonight. We don't know who's going to win. But I do think it's always interesting to look uh, at the local lads and put that through the lens of what we see there. And when you see St. Louis and when you see Boston, um, how far away are the Canucks from this for you, Dave? Okay. First,
1: I would say this. When you're looking at Game 7, how do you not flash back to the Canucks and Boston and all of it 9 years ago yeah it's Ex- hard to believe that that is Nine yeah exactly ago. what you what you're talking about and how can you not cheer for St. Louis or any other team other than the Boston Bruins it's just bizarre uh, to actually to see this go down and the arrival and the thing that I will say okay that it is amazing to me that when the Canucks went to the cup final in 2011 it was a Vancouver team The Raptors thing amazes me how Toronto can take anything that they do and it suddenly becomes Canada's team. I got news for you, okay? The Raptors are not Canada's team. They are Toronto's team. Just think about how much love you got from Toronto in 2011, Game 7 here you know what? Yeah, all they wanted to talk about was the fact we burned the city down. Got it. Okay. <laughs> but there was no love. The Toronto Raptors are Toronto's team. I just I had to get that off my chest. Yeah, no, we'll we'll
0: get to that later okay. because I have a segue into oh, the, good, the sports good. media stuff cuz that's the part that irritates me about the Raptors. Okay. I did want to stick with the Canucks to sure. start cuz it is the white towel after all and but you're right, it was 8 years ago that we saw that. Um you know, obviously, we know what happened to the Canucks. They sure. they fell off the table in a hurry. The Sadines yeah. got old. Well, they did, but even before that, you know, uh, Vigneault was the first fall guy, the so-called core of BXA Burroughs. There was the mess and goal with Luongo. Uh, there was the mess and how they changed coaches in between and everything else. You know, Boston, obviously, Marchand, Chara are the big pieces that are still there, Bergeron. Um, but they've managed to sort of retool and rebuild on the fly. But I'd, I look at this Canucks team, and Pedersen's great. Besser's great. I think Quinn Hughes will be great. But to me, when I look at St. Louis and Boston, there's nowhere near that solid depth. When you look at that 2011 team, Dave, and you think of the guys who played a role, Max Lapierre, Chris Higgins, even if you look at the back end, I think if Ham Hughes doesn't get hurt, that team probably wins yeah, the Stanley Cup. I agree. But now now I look at this Vancouver Canucks team and I go, really, like they've they've invested all this money in guys like Jay Beagle on the fourth line. That's where they're deficient. They don't have the depth. The the crazy part about the way that the Canucks have sort of been
1: restructured is exactly that. The money that they are spending that is killing them in the cap is not on the high-end players. It's exactly what you're talking about. The money that they're spending on their third and fourth-line players. I mean, the whole—I mean, Louis Erickson obviously is on the very top of the list, and and we, we've got to get into this whole thing. Uh, I don't—I get it. Uh, Dreger is the guy who's, who's spinning the rumors, you know, the, the whole thing with Lucic. That, to me, would be absolutely a nightmare. Uh, but, look— The way that they tried to fast-track it by massively overpaying, you know, average or less-than-average players, you know, these role players, is absolutely nuts. If you cannot manage your cap, you cannot win in the NHL, period, and they have not managed their cap. And yet, strangely enough... Outside of Trevor Linden walking away, what have they done to really fix that? To bring people in there that really do understand this game? Because it's not just about what's on the ice, it's what's in the office.
0: Does Benning get one more year, or do you think he's relatively safe? Or, like, do you no, think this year they have to show? Who owns the team?
1: <laughs> Some
0: blueberry farmer.
1: Yeah, with Aquilini, yeah. No, no. Look, uh, I, I think this is very much uh, a do or die kind of year. Um, and I think that there's enormous pressure on it. Um, Clearly, the the answer is not going to come from the draft. I mean, it's it's going to be interesting to see if they move up and all of that. But that's not what this is about. Uh, they're they're an organization right now that have have gone and taken their their cap and screwed it up so badly that if they if they can't fix that, they're not going to win uh, because they they just literally have handcuffed themselves. And again, if indeed
0: this rumor is true about Lucic, if they actually pull that deal off. Hey, 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 well, hey. I mean, again, it, no, I no, mean, but, that's that may be the biggest issue. We we hear that, you know, the ownership is in love with Lucic. Certainly Benning had him in, in Boston. You sit here and you know, you've got this albatross around your neck with Louis Erickson. You'll swap it for another team's problem. Fair enough, but you're taking another year of term at six million. Yeah, although I mean, people do say if there was a sweetener and you got an asset back, then that's basically you're willing to eat that dead money. But I don't know. I look, I look at this team, Dave, and it's very interesting. You said, is it possible they move up? Coos has a piece coming on uh, Sunday, where he revisits the Sedin trade. Now, your great friend and mine, um, Brian Burke, let it go, Dave Pratt, let it go. Yeah. Yeah, Brian Burke. I, I will say, you know, I've certainly had my battles with them over the years. That deal, in hindsight, like there's not a lot of NHL GMs who've had the balls to actually maneuver a deal like that and get those two picks in a row and look how it paid off for them. And unfortunately, I would love to see the Canucks move up, if not to get Jack Hughes, but to take a real run at Bo and Byron because I think not only the local angle, that's, a, that's exactly yeah. what this team needs. But I just don't see, you know, this... This franchise, I think a lot of them, to be honest with you, a lot of NHL teams overvalue their own talent. So you sit there and go, oh, yeah, Jake vertanen the 12th pick, uh, a third rounder next year, and Thatcher Demko to move up to in the top three. That's not going to get it done. you gotta, you got to have the stones to get rid of an elite piece and be bold and move up if you really want it. And I don't think this front office has that. Well, first and foremost, l- let me say one thing about Brian Burke. He was absolutely
1: brilliant for a very long time and then it kind of just went sideways. It just is what it is. But give him credit. I I I want to echo what you just said. That is the single greatest trade in franchise history, and it changed this franchise. Do you have somebody in that front office that is capable of pulling that deal off? Absolutely not. The politics of the dance within the Vancouver Canucks and dealing with ownership, if you want to survive, talk to Trevor Linden, you better get along with the Aquilinis, period. I mean, it just is what you know. Absolutely. You know, so... You've got to play that political game while you're still trying to go and rebuild a franchise. You you do not win in the NHL without elite players. That is absolutely critical. The management of your cap and the ability to go and get those elite players is how you win a Stanley Cup. And where do you get those players? You get them in the draft, which means you're going to have to be patient. They've got to unload some contracts, which is going to be, to say the least, challenging. But at the end of the day, what they do at the draft is everything. But what we're talking about here is not some secret that everybody. Oh, gee, well, really? You can you can you can build a Stanley Cup championship through the draft. Every GM is doing the exact same thing. There are, as as you know, those three or four elite players in a draft, and then there's a dramatic drop off. And if you get lucky, which the Canucks have have been in the past, yeah, you can steal somebody. But at the end of the day. Their challenge going into this draft is about moving up, and it's going to come at a hell of a price.
0: Yeah, I think if you look at it, obviously St. Louis has shown that they're a handful. You've got uh Calgary, playoff disappointment aside, bet, you know, second-best record in the NHL this year. Winnipeg's going to come back strong. They've still got the pieces. Vegas, I mean, Vegas, frankly, we know they got hosed against the Sharks. That oh. team, they weren't a fluke last year. They're no. going to be a yeah. team to be reckoned with. The Sharks are still there, although Carlson's a big question mark. And you look at the teams in front of the Canucks in the draft, you see how LA is rebuilding, you see how Chicago is still building, and you're right, the elite talent's there. It, this is where I say it's great that they've got Hughes, Besser, and Pedersen, but you've still got Kane and Taves. They're not what they were, but Kane just had his highest point total ever. You know, LA still has Doughty. They're going to probably add Byron to that mix if the rumors are to be believed. You know, the West is so difficult. And while the Canucks are rebuilding, all the teams around them are doing the same thing. So that's where I think the biggest question out of this draft is, you do have to look at the free, at at the front office. And I think that, we talk about ownership and unfortunately that's where it always lands. You hear these rumors that There's a bit of a divide in the family that obviously Francesco's committed to a rebuild, but the rest of the family wants playoff revenue. Sure. So this idea of overspending on free agents is to sell tickets and try and get into the playoffs. Whether that's true or not, I don't know, but the roadmap that this group has sort of laid out is they're not willing to burn it to the ground to build from the foundation up. They're trying to do it on the fly, and they have failed. Yeah, and and you can't do it. The whole thing with the NHL
1: is there is no easy way. It is about the pain. It's everything that we've been talking about. And the hard reality that the Vancouver Connect ownership has come to terms with is that this is not a great hockey town. I know that I've just spoken sacrilege, but it's not a great hockey town. It isn't. When this team is not winning, there are empty seats everywhere. Their concern over the loss of revenue is justified in that respect because it's not Toronto. It's not Montreal, hell it's not Winnipeg. These fans are, are are the best fans in the world when you're winning and they just disappear when you're losing. So you can understand the economics. But again this is from a fan's point of view. In my lifetime I would love to see this city stage a Stanley Cup parade, not a riot but a parade and you cannot do it without the pain. And that is all there is to it. You're going to have to go through not a season or two, but more like four or five. Go take a look at the teams that have gone and built through the draft and the pain that they've gone through. If you're willing to deal with the pain, if you're willing to go and invest in your scouting department and do the things that need to be done, there is a blueprint. But it all gets down to ownership.
0: Look, this is the 50th season of the Canucks. they got a lot of really cool stuff planned. Um, You know, having the draft here. It, it it speaks to your point. I've always thought this, you know, going back to, to when I first became sports editor back in the late 90s uh, at the province – this is an event town. Yeah. Um, there are, we can talk about the weather and all these different – hike the seawall, ride the aquabus, do the grouse grind, quarry rock, whatever you want to do. There's other distractions for people. If you put on a show, yeah, they want to be there. They want to be there and be seen. They want their Instagram photos, uh, whether that's at Rogers Arena or on the shores of Deep Cove, doesn't matter. Um, so people will get behind it, but you got to give them the event. Um, so I think the draft will be fun. Uh, I remember the one in 83 at BC Place, so, but they had Peter Nedved. Um, and, and, you know, they had the high pick there. 12 isn't really where they want to be, I don't think, but I still think it'll be a good event. I think the marketing part of the Canucks is really on point. But I, to me, next year's, it's got to be playoffs. Yeah, yeah. It's got to be
1: playoffs. I've got to quickly just throw back to that, that draft because uh, I was working for TSN at the time, right? And they, uh, they draft Nedved without knowing that Yager was in the building as we found out later yeah <laughs> I mean that's the Cold War he was supposed to be in Czechoslovakia yeah it wasn't and coming it, for three not, four years so yeah. and, they, and they get Nedved and all of it and then all of a sudden it's Yager, and he walks literally down and it's like He's here. (laughs) (laughs) And you ask yourself, how much different is this organization if the Canucks know that that Yaviyakar is out of Czechoslovakia and he's actually in the building? He's not just, you know, in in the free world. He's actually in the building and your people in your own building.
0: Don't know that. Yeah, it was crazy. I remember that. Uh, I think it's, you know, you're in this business. It provides good fodder when we have things to criticize. But I think these, I think the fans here, they really want to see progress. And I, I will, I first to admit, I am blown away by Elias Patterson. I, you know, for a kid to step into the NHL the way he did and handle it like, so coolly. I mean, the kid's an elite. I, I have no doubt the kid's an elite level talent. He's going to compete for scoring trophies. He's going to compete for heart trophies. But they got to put the pieces around him. Yeah,
1: there's no question. Uh, the The thing that kills me about Pedersen is mom and dad. Yeah, <laughs> you go. Where does he get that? Look into the stats. That's where he gets yeah. it. <laughs> mom and dad. <laughs> uh, the the cockiness, uh, the 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 arrogance to it all is. Uh, it's, it's a wonderful thing if you can deliver and he can deliver. That's the thing. It's amazing to me how he manages the media, like almost anybody else I've ever seen at that age. There's, like I said before, there is an arrogance to him, both on and on the ice, that you just don't expect from a, a kid who's got that baby face. So you're, you're trying to connect that baby face to that player
0: with that attitude, media, all of it. And then you look up at the stands and there's mom and dad and go, got it. Got it. <laughs> so where do you think the Canucks go in the draft? I mean, it's interesting both draft and free agency you know there's the talk obviously of rebuilding the blue line and i think you know maybe it's just posturing from alex edler's agent but the fact that that deal's not done yet i think has to concern people because if edler's not back i think that increases the urgency to look at your blue line either way i think i thought that mo if when you look at most analysis it's that they will be looking for uh, a defenseman in either trade or free agency and the draft, they'll still go for best player available. But there's no doubt this team needs scoring wingers. They need yeah. help on the blue line. Where do you think the biggest priority is for them?
1: Well, first of all, with with Edler, my feeling on this is just move along. Um, this is a guy that just simply cannot stay healthy, cannot stay in your lineup. Uh, what has he had in the last eight or nine years? One season that he played all 82 games. I mean, it's absolutely nuts. Um, so if you can get him on a short-term deal, couple of years at a reasonable price, fine. If not, move on. He is in your rearview mirror. You know, again, if he can help you in a, in a minimal way, in a short-term, great, fine. But if he's looking for a four-year contract or whatever the case is, uh, for XYZ dollars, absolutely not move along. Where this organization needs to go is they need to go through the pain, which we've been talking about. They have to play the kids. They've got to make trades. They've got to move veterans out of this thing. And they've got to suck it up for the next two years. It's not just about this draft. It's about the draft after that and the draft after that. Um, once you get those cornerstone players in place... All things are there, are, are, become possible. But unless you've got those elite players, unless you know how to manage your, your salary cap, which this organization still hasn't figured out, until you do those things and are willing to go and pay that price, this team is never going to hold a Stanley Cup parade. They're just not. Um, but that again, gets back to what we're talking about with, with, with ownership. It, but it, it's also about the faith that you have to have in this management group. Do you believe in this management group? Because I don't. I just don't. Yeah, I I'm, I'm not sold on it enough. This management group strikes me as, and and I'm I'm not going to pull any punches here. That's the great thing about being unemployed. You don't you, you don't have to worry about <laughs> losing your job. Okay, you can you can say whatever you want to say. This is not an elite management group. These are people that are glad to have jobs. I mean, the idea that that you've got rookie general managers and rookies doing. I mean, I mean, how many how many more rookies do you need in your front office? You know, because. Rookies on the ice make mistakes. I got news for you. They do the same thing on your front well, office.
0: Well, the, ide- the idea, I mean, we've written about this a little bit, but I don't know that it's really been a big enough point in town, is this organization is cheaped out. On yes. Its front office. It's scouting. Absolutely. They've got far, you know, when Lyndon left, no one replaced him. Um, you know, there's all sorts of rumors about other guys being brought in. But ultimately, the front office, the staff, the cap management, the scouts... It's been whittled away and it hasn't been replaced. You do get what you pay for. And if you don't have a good scouting network and you don't have everyone on the same page... I don't think you'll be successful. So I think that's where the Canucks need to get to is everyone needs to be on the same page.
1: And and we focus, obviously, on what's going on in the ice and the players on the roster and the draft and all those other things. And you're right. uh, So many times that we overlook the the most important element of all in any company or any organization or any team. If you don't have great management, you don't win. No matter what the game is you're playing.
0: So just quickly, get on another one of your favorite subjects, the Leafs. Um, You know, obviously Leafs, haven't won a playoff series in forever. But they were literally, you, you look you can make the argument if they had won that Game Seven or even Game Six at home, they could be in the Stanley Cup oh, final yes. right now. And one of the things with the Leafs is as much as you can hate them, their front office was laughable. I mean when they had Lamarello and Babcock, Cliff Fletcher was still involved, Mark Hunter, uh, you know, now you got Dubas like you go down the list. They had this massively bloated front office, but Shanahan, they got hockey men in there. And they weren't af- afraid to spend an expense in order to get the job done. And I I, I think the Leafs are great when they're relevant because you can hate them. Uh, I hope they never win a Stanley Cup. But at the same time, having them in the conversation is fun. And I think when you compare and contrast the two organizations, there isn't a comparison right now. No,
1: not even close. Uh, the the Leafs, from an ownership point of view, again, it gets back to the, to what you're talking about, wrote the big checks. I mean, go take a look at what they went and spent for their head coach. I mean, they went after proven winners and they also did something that was really surprising for me because so many times in situations like that, you'll see teams with unspeakable amounts of money who just throw money at the problem and it never gets fixed. Who's their general manager? Kyle Who the hell is... He's a guy who understands the the new NHL. Yeah, new energy. And it's all about it's, it's the, dy- it's the dynamics of the numbers and, and the, the way that you have to go and, and understand that it's no longer about old, old time hockey, you know, all of that nonsense. It's about the, the, the analytics that go along with the game. And if you don't have a general manager that speaks that language in this game, you cannot win. Yeah. You can go and add that final piece once everything else is done, but. Man, if, if you don't have somebody who can play that game the way that they've got it right now in Toronto, you can no longer win in the NHL. And good on the Leafs for doing it. It pains me to say it, but the Leafs are one step away from a Stanley Cup. You will see them win a Stanley Cup. Oh, God, that just it kills me, uh, to say it because
0: suddenly the Leafs become Canada's team again.
1: Didn't we have that conversation earlier on in this? Well, show? we're going to get into it now okay. because okay. I think,
0: I think with, and it's funny because I was speaking to our, our national sports editor, Bill Pierce, who you know he runs the Toronto somebody. He also coordinates for the whole country, and and he said he had he woke up one night with in a cold sweat because he thought if the Leafs had won that game seven, I'd have the Leafs and the Raptors in the championship. <laughs> Could you imagine a game seven tonight with the Leafs for the Stanley Cup oh, and no, the Raptors tomorrow? No, um, but two parades. So oh good. You know, you've you've beaten the anti-Toronto drum for a long time, and I've said this before as well. I don't see NBC Sports Network or – I mean ESPN's a little bit of a different animal because they're based in Hartford. But I don't see, you know, uh, all the big networks, CBS with their New York head offices pumping the New York teams. I no. mean there's no doubt they know that's their biggest audience. But the American market goes where the biggest story is. And Toronto, our national sports networks, always seem to default to – Oh, well, this is the biggest market. Everyone's going to be interested in the least Now, you've been on the other end of it where in TV, you got people in Toronto telling you what's the biggest story in Vancouver because they don't have a clue what's going on out here. I don't hate the Raptors. Uh, I prefer the Warriors. I like Stephen Curry. I, I, you know, I know Rick Celebrini a little bit. I hope he does well down there. Um, there are people here who love the Suns because of Steve Nash. The Lakers have always been a big draw here. But this idea that we all have to cheer for the Raptors, just like we were told we had to cheer for the Jays, screw off. I was an Expos fan. I don't have to like a Toronto team just because they're born in Canada. Most people here, I think, have more affinity with people from Seattle than they do in Toronto. So, uh, this idea that the sports networks have basically been ramming this, this whole team down our throat, I hope they lose. But that's more to do on the networks. I, I like the team. I like Kawhi. I like the Raptors. Same with the Leafs. I actually like Austin Matthews. I think Babcock's a great coach. It's it's more the way that the media handles it and tells me what I should and shouldn't like. And I know this has been, a, a as I say, a, a drum you've beaten for a while. Well, here's the
1: difference, okay? Uh, the American networks see their market as the USA, okay? That's the whole market. And it's star driven and the way that they sell it. I mean, the, the difference in terms of, of how you deal with the new England Patriots, as opposed to the Boston Bruins is night and day. It is about Tom Brady. And if Tom Brady was playing in New York, as opposed to Boston, he would get the same kind of attention
0: or Indianapolis. Yeah,
1: exactly. Because that's where the story is. They focus on the stars and not the politics of the dance in this country. Be, just because of the – again, because of the politics, Toronto is the center of the universe. It is unbelievable. The, the Leafs play in Vancouver on a Saturday and the game is at 4 o'clock in the afternoon in Vancouver. That's the mindset, OK?
0: Well, they was, wasn't there a weeknight game this this, this year? The yes. Leafs came and they played they had, like 6?
1: Toronto was in town on a Wednesday. Yeah. So they had to pull it down, down to 6. So you – Hold on, I'm the season's ticket holder for the Vancouver Canucks and I've got to rearrange my day to accommodate somebody in Toronto who doesn't want the game to start any later than nine o'clock. And unfortunately, all you have to do is take a look at any federal election to understand that it's pretty much decided before the first vote is cast west of the of the Manitoba-Ontario border. Okay? It it just is it is what it is and it drives you absolutely nuts. When I'm, when I'm watching the, the NHL, okay, and the Stanley Cup finals, I'm watching NBC. Okay. Yeah. I am. Yeah. <laughs> because I'm going oh. to, see, I'm going to see a broadcast. That
0: that is much more in tune with what I want to see. But even worse, Dave, is the Raptors. I cannot watch Rod Black and Jack Armstrong and Leo Ryan. Gushing. Like, literally... And pom, I like Rod, pom, too. No, I mean, that's fine. But he, they know they gush. Men, they gush. But, oh, they gush. They gush. They've They got pom-poms with them. Yes, they're, yes. you know, I wouldn't be surprised if they were wearing, if they cut to them, they're wearing Raptors mascots. Uh, I know I'm on the ABC feed all day. Um, just And it's not just that, you know, we can play the journalist card and be objective, but yeah, take into in consideration you're a national broadcaster, not not your, you know, you remember here with the Grizzlies, everyone sure. first-name basis, yeah. you know, Mike down to country, back out to reef. like <laughs> Hold on, what happened to last names and professionals? Yeah, but that's right. basketball. You yeah. get that, right? I just don't, uh, I, I wouldn't be, I'm not mad. I think it would be great for Toronto if the Raptors won. I just don't like being told that I have to cheer for them.
1: Oh, no, and the thing that, that frustrates you is that we are the hinterland. You know, trust me, after all the years that I worked doing network television, um, it's exactly what you're talking about. You know, this was what we need from you today, and it has to fit into what the the big Toronto plan is. I lived with it for, for 20 years. I know exactly what you're talking about. Um, but the, the one thing about the Raptors, and I want to make sure that we're really clear about this, it is an amazing story, you know. What a job that he did. He's not getting anywhere near enough love. I mean, the bold moves that he made. I mean, to take that chance to, to, to basically blow your team up on a, on a player who's coming out of San Antonio that's got all that dysfunctionality connected to it. His own teammates don't want to play for him and you're pushing all your chips into it.
0: Oh, it's fantastic. It's and a you, great story. you,
1: you fire your head coach who's just won you a conference championship. You make these kind of moves. Multi- you hired who? I never heard, are you kidding me? And to be where they are and what they have done is nothing short of spectacular. Um, and as much as you have to focus on the players, you certainly have to focus on, on the coach as well. But their management. That, to me, is the most important story of all. And it's gotten lost, and rightfully so, because the focus has to be on the court. I get it. But the story of the Toronto Raptors and where they are and what they've accomplished is in management. Not in the coaching and not in the players. And uh I just think most fans have really, really overlooked it. What they did, and like I said, uh, your jury... W- when he pulled that off, I thought he, he had done the stupidest thing in the world. And I got into a, a massive argument on the air about it and all this kind and the one good thing about right now not not being on, <laughs> on my radio show right now is I don't have to listen to all the crap and say, <laughs> I told you you were wrong, Pratt. You were wrong. I don't have to hear that.
0: Well, no, I I think it's – when you look at all the sports, I can't remember a GM who's kind – of, when we talked about Brian Burke and the, and the move to go after this, both Sadim brothers, uh, when you look at what's happening with the Raptors, they could be NBA champions and Kawhi re-signs and they are odds-on to repeat next year. Yeah. Or they lose, collapse with a 3-1 lead, Kawhi goes to LA or New York, and the Raptors are going to struggle to get to the playoffs. It's a fascinating story to see which way it goes. But I – I love a GM who has the stones, as we yeah. said, to make that move. There's been a lot of talk, and, and our producer here, Dar McQuana, will disagree with me, uh, on <laughs> Vancouver. He just rolled his eyes to see it He just rolled he, his he, eyes. He usually does. But, um, so with the aspect of Vancouver getting another team. Now, there's been, there's been varying discussions about, uh, whether the Aquilinis want one or not. There's always this idea of having another tenant in that building. I know that they have definitely kicked the tires on the Lions and the White Caps. They kind of like this sports conglomerate that MLSC has, even if you look in Calgary where the flames and the stamps are owned by the same team. So there's no doubt that there's some interest. Seeing the interest in the Raptors in this city, whether we like it or not, it's a younger crowd, much more diverse. Uh I think an NBA team here would fly. So do I. Absolutely. Yeah. It's it's do you have the ownership in the well? Where Darm would disagree with me is he doesn't think GM plays Place. Look at me flashing back. He doesn't think Rogers Arena is is a good is a, a high enough caliber not, building. He's right. It's okay. not. There we no, go. No, no, uh, they, <laughs> no. They no, one hundred percent right on this. Um, but you, so you're not going to get a team in a new building here. You're just not.
1: Oh, I don't know about that. Um, here's the, here's the situation. Um, that debacle in Seattle, dropping you know all that taxpayers' money to do the, you know the, the Reno is just insanity. But this is the plan, okay? They're not going to go and build that arena in Seattle until the NBA deal is done and the NBA owners have taken every dime out of that multi-billion dollar television contract, okay? Now, once that TV deal is done, they will look at expansion. And the idea of expansion, obviously, is to put even more money into the pockets of the owners and to put a team, which will get, Seattle will get a team absolutely, and a new arena in the next seven years. But they're going to have to wait until the current NBA owners get every dime out of this current NBA television contract. They want it all. Now, once that's done and they've got their money, anything is possible. But I happen to agree that part of it is that you've got to go and step up and say, if we're going to get an NBA team, we need an NBA arena. Um, Rogers Arena was squeezed into that Between the viadage, uh, yeah. which are coming down. Yeah, which are coming down. For more bike lanes. For more bike lanes. <laughs> <laughs> um, and every time I, I go into it, it's funny because when I first went into to Roger's Arena, GM place, uh, <laughs> I was like, wow, great, because we're coming out of the Coliseum. I mean, every time I walk by the Pacific Coliseum, when I go to the track or right there and go, what a dump. Uh, but it used to be this magnificent oh, yeah. you know, building, you know, as a kid, you know, going to the Pacific Coliseum anyway. Same kind of thing. Um right now, Rogers Arena is is second class, second rate, and it has to be replaced. Um so you're gonna have to do exactly what Seattle is doing, although you don't have to do a reno. Um you're gonna have to drop billions to go and get the new arena and billions to get the team. But this market is exploding. You come back in 20 years from now, and this market, Vancouver, will be the center of the universe and not Toronto. There is no doubt about it. The Pacific Rim is the world, and we're right right there, right on the edge. This country will revolve in 20 years from now around Vancouver, not Toronto.
0: You know, it's interesting. I, I think if you – I mean, there's obviously – yeah, you talk about corporate support, and I think the connections to the Asia-Pacific Rim oh. – that you need more head offices here because you do need the corporate support you need the boxes that's the big thing but i think that's faded as you have tv revenue that's now when you look at other sports biggest sport in the world obviously soccer the english premier league it's insane the money they get the money they're getting i mean there's complaints there that the the actual the ticket holders are they're incidental and we see the same thing in the nfl they say the tv sure. deal everything's every bill is paid before you sell your first ticket um and i think that that's where you're going when you look in particular this is the argument for the NFL too the CFL is is that buffer on the border but as they look at mexico and as they look at london i've seen the analogy the us is a slice is a is a is an extra large pizza if you add another team in the us you're just slicing a, a you know yeah. one piece that's you need to go to another country and i think that's where vancouver's well positioned is as the nba is look going to look beyond its borders this seems like a natural you're right seattle's going to get a team first absolutely but um it's an i i think this is a market that is when i again i look at the support of the raptors particularly amongst people under 30 yeah. and it is insane yeah how much more people here are into that than they are into the stanley cup right now
1: here's the thing and, and i'm going to echo exactly what you just said that is difficult for us as as we get older, (laughs) is to look at those little millennials and take them seriously, okay? That's tough to do. (laughs) I got a grin over here. (laughs) Because the millennials are a bunch of entitled little dicks. You know that, okay? They just are. I got another smile. Um, As much as they drive us crazy because of the entitlement that goes along with it in a world that they didn't build, but they've inherited, uh, and all of it that drives us crazy, they are the future and if you are in business to sell tickets television ratings all of it sponsorship they don't look at anybody over the age of 40 they just don't the focus is entirely on the, on that demographic that's where it's all being being pushed into it it's where all the big money is it's it's the it's the way that they pander to it and look where this is going to be and, and again getting to the raptors is an absolute slam dunk to me to put two NBA teams into the Pacific Northwest. Hell, there's a, there's an NBA team in Portland. And, there's and an you'll, NBA you'll,
0: team in Portland. You'll have the hockey team in Seattle as well. Which yes. Is, you know, oh, again, no, exactly. Just... And,
1: and, and that rivalry is great. Um, and it, you're certainly going to find the critics that are going to say, well, there's too many teams. Trust me. That's not how the owners see it. They just look at the money that, that's connected to it all. I mean, you're going to have a day where there's 40 NHL teams. There just is. And the Pacific Northwest right now is exploding on all levels. Population growth. I mean, Look, when you go take a look, you know, at just the lifestyle of living in, say, Los Angeles, do you really want to live in LA if you're not a rock star, movie star with a billion dollar house? Really? No. And that's where industry is moving, it's, it's, it's where the population is growing. This is the future, you know, and it's, it's going to be amazing to see it uh, shake down. Uh, this city, which has changed so much over the course of the last 10 years, watch out for the next 10.
0: Okay, we've talked Canucks, we've talked Brian Burke, we've talked Draft, <laughs> Pedersen, Raptors, our yeah. love for Toronto, and well, let's get to the good stuff. Okay. Um, you know, you were the victim of uh, some changes at TSN 1040, even though your morning show was doing exceptionally well, yeah. considering yeah, what had happened before. You had mentioned before we started that, you know, you're in a position where you could go sit on a beach in Maui for the rest of your life. Why start a podcast? Well, why start a podcast and, and why continue with your career?
1: Because... This is what I do. This is where the passion is. The amazing part about the career that I've had is that I've been able to go and do everything I ever wanted to do. And I can remember driving down down the I-5. I'm going to date myself, but I don't care. We are going down to do a Seahawks game for TSN. And uh, uh, I punch over to KJR uh, to listen to some classic rock and roll. And there's this gal on called the Fabulous Sports Babe, and she's doing sports talk. Sports talk radio arrived in 1987 at the Fan in New York, and in 89, KGR switched over, and they went all sports. Okay. First time I'd ever heard sports talk radio. I get back home, I call Jim Pattison, and and I pitch him on the idea of doing primetime sports talk radio. Not late night Dan Russell stuff, but primetime. Cut a deal. In 1990, we launched the first primetime, afternoon drive show in Canadian broadcast history. Two years before McCowan, the fan, all that, okay. And then we uh, we were there for a few years, took it over to WX, and then from there it, it became Ted forty and, and all of it, right? I have been doing this for a very long time. Um and it is just an absolute joy in my life. That love of doing it is what it's all about. So we're gonna do the podcast. Uh we'll see where uh, the other doors that open and and all of that. The traditional broadcast uh, media industry, as we know, is collapsing. It just is. Um, but it, it's all about content. The future of Canadian, whether it's podcast, broadcasting, whatever, it's all going to be based on content. And I love doing this. The podcast opens it up. Carrie Marshall is going to be joining with me, my good friend that I, I did mornings with at Fox, who's absolutely brilliant with it all. Uh, the website is up, as we talked about, uh, which is uh, <laughs> uh We'll launch our first show next Wednesday. Um, and we're going to have some fun. Um, I can't tell you how much I miss coming on on the air and being an asshole. I mean, it's just it's what what a wonderful privilege. Well, play to your strengths, right? Yes, yeah, so, yeah, exactly. Do what you know. Yeah. Do, do what you do best. So, right? you no,
0: know, you talk about the state of the. We look as a newspaper. We've been dealing with this for 15 years. Sure, um, you've got to move content online. People don't want to pay for content. You need to, and I hate this word, monetize your audience. But it is about building audience. P, the subscription model doesn't work. Even no. you know the Athletic. I've heard is. Is is struggling with that with the no ad model. And people thought that was the future. People just want information free. Yeah. But you're right, you can sit in front of a mic, record something that someone can download on their phone and listen to in their car instead yeah. of having it on 1040, listening to the the ad reads, getting the same here's our golf guest every week sponsored by XYZ, here's our here's our, you know, patronizing little baseball moment. But really, like we all know that in this market everyone wants to talk Canucks. Certainly, the Raptors, Toronto. There's ways to spin that off. But you talk about the fabulous sports babe. Seattle has now. They've got a hockey team. They still are, and and you know, we'll talk about basketball. They've got the Seahawks. They've got the Mariners. The Sounders have found a niche. The Huskies and Cougars are yeah. big. Like, you know, here, is, is there enough content in this market for two sports radio stations? I think ultimately, the the challenge that both of these
1: stations are going to have going forward. Is that they have got to get into the, into the idea that you're in the entertainment business. You're not in the retail business selling somebody else's brand. And you cannot obsess about exactly what you're talking about. Canucks. Okay, great. We're going to sit here and we're going to analyze last night's game for 12 hours. Really?
0: Yeah, the 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 morning show does it, and then the midday show, afternoon show, twelve hours. We're going to roll with your poll question. Yeah, yeah, and we're we're just too lazy to come up with another twelve hours
1: of the of the exact same thing does not work, which is why you're dealing with stations that are struggling right now, and the revenue is down, and struggling with listeners under forty. Absolutely the the afternoon show that I did for ten years, highest rated sports talk show in the history of Canadian broadcasting for ten years for one reason, it was an entertainment show. Okay. It was an entertainment show, not an information show, not a I'm smarter than you are show. It was an entertainment show where we stirred the pot.
0: Yeah. So uh, what happened when Jennifer Mather called you, Dave?
1: Exactly. I mean, the, the thing was, and I, I remember looking to Donnie Taylor and telling him to shut up, let her go. She went 12 minutes, defining moment, get out of the way and let it happen. Okay. It's no different than. The the defining moment of ten forty was the day that I walked into the into the office, and Moj was holding on to the phone saying, "It's Burke, he's not happy, he wants to talk to you." I went, "Hey Brian, what's up?" "F you!" And then he just went for there, screaming and yelling at me. Phoned up our GM, and I said, "Look, I'm I'm going after uh, I'm going after Burke. Are we okay with that?" He said, "Yeah, we're never going to get the connect play by play." <laughs> so i went great went on the air who the hell is this brian burke think he is blah 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 and the ratings went through the roof and the station survived the station was born through that really through that uh chum launched 13 stations uh when they made their big push to go all sports radio right um and i love jim van horn he is a great broadcaster but he's a broadcaster um what you need in sports talk radio or entertainers guys that, that are willing to go and push the limit and and it's not about being liked i mean this obsession that you've got sports talk show hosts that want to be liked or they or they, or they want to get their nose up management's ass or wh- whatever the case is
0: no you want to be an entertainer or you don't want people to insult you i've always said that uh, like people because you know that people will call you an idiot a yeah. lot um and people would always ask me what it was like working with you and i always said Dave is willing to set you up to be the hero as yeah. his co-host yeah. and be the fall guy that yeah. people... I can't believe what he's saying. If they're that passionate and they want to pick up the phone and call you an idiot yeah. or talk about your show yeah. on social media, that's what it's all about. And you're right. I think that right now, we to tie it all together, not to be too self-serving, but when I, I saw the stuff this w- just in the last couple of days about the fans cheering an injury. Now, let's face it. Philadelphia has embraced that tag of, yeah, we have passionate asshole fans who booed Michael or who cheered when Michael Irvin got a neck injury. Now it happens to Kevin Durant and everyone connected to both Bell and Rogers has been falling all over themselves saying, no, they were cheering. They were apologizing. It was such a Canadian thing to do. I mean, I I find that this is you kind of know it's like defend the brand. You know what? Don't defend the brand. Go out there, tell it like it is. Stir it up. Who cares if your bosses get mad? If you deliver the audience, they're going to be happy. Here's the thing: is that,
1: um, and this is where they make the mistake of, of getting corporate sports talk radio. Okay, and you certainly are going to hear it on, on the podcast. The the way it works and why it has worked in the U.S. and has failed in this country so badly is that you don't you don't go and pander to the 5% of the hardcores. You don't do that. The casual fans want to be entertained. It is not an information format. Okay, it's Yeah, you don't need them to tell you the score. No, you don't need... It's not an information format, okay? It's entertainment. When I get in my car, I want to be entertained. And to do that in the entertainment business, you need a good cop and a bad cop, okay? Star Wars without Darth Vader is just a bunch of space guys flying around for a couple of hours, and you don't care. (laughs) Darth Vader shows up, And you're making billions and billions of dollars. Nobody wants to be the bad cop because they want to be liked. You want to be liked? Get a dog. Get a dog, for God's sakes, if you want to be liked, okay? If you want to do sports talk radio, if you want to do a successful podcast, stir it up. You know, go and call it out. Don't be afraid. Don't back down from any of that stuff. And the, the, see, the thing that was great with with Don Taylor was that Don, because he, he is a broadcaster and wants to be liked. Okay, got it. Okay, great. He's he a very likable guy. He's a likable guy. Jim Van Horn's a likable guy, incredibly likable guy. You're the good cop. I got no problem being the bad cop. What happened when when they when they shut down the afternoon show and the and the bad cop and Darth Vader left? You just had this little space guys flying around and bumping into each other, and that was it. Within a matter of a few years, okay, all the ratings are gone, the connects are gone, and sports nets into the market. All of that happens because you blow up your afternoon show. Why would you do that? It I, I I roll my eyes. But when you're dealing with with management that wants to go and run a retail operation, great. So we play somebody else's music. Okay, tell you the time. And then try to sell commercials. Okay. You do realize that people don't have radios in their cars anymore. Exactly. They have entertainment systems. and Their phone syncs to everything. Yeah. Exactly. Totally. So if you're not entertaining me in my car on
0: my way to work and coming home, I'm gone. Yeah. And if you're going to talk Canucks for 12 hours and you're not going to talk NBA, I've got 50... 50- Podcasts that I can listen to. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. Uh, but but it doesn't matter what what the topic matter is. What you need to do is polarize,
1: because as I said before, ninety five percent of your audience are casual fans. That you've got to get them emotionally invested every single day. They're not the hardcores that don't have a life. Okay, I, I get it. You know, they're, they're, your audience where the money is in sports talk radio and sports talk podcaster is not pandering to the guy at the end of the bar. You know at 3 a.m. in the morning. That's not the guy you're chasing. It's the guy who's going to work, you know, at 8.30 in the morning who's got a wife and family who's a casual fan who wants to be entertained.
0: Yeah. You know, and and wants to be outraged or wants to be, like, they want to be heard. They want their opinion. And if you, if you say something to push that button to inspire them to, like, be spouting their opinion, you've done your job. I mean, the Deer Departed, uh, you know, you worked with him often as well, Jason Botchford. Yep. I mean, we learned that through the birth of the podcast here, yep, um, yep. where Jason got to do what he wanted, and then that evolved into the print. The, the game say this all the time, the game story is the one thing that I had been to seminars in the late 90s, listening to Ray Ratto, the San Francisco yep. Chronicle, talk about, like, how you have to reinvent the game story, and no one really did it until Botch came yep. up with this, I'm going to spill the locker room secrets, I'm going to give you opinion, I'll yep. back it up with analysis, I'm going to weave the fans into yep. it. You yep. know what it was like, you worked. To them, I mean, Jason did get that entertainment oh, married to the information analysis. The, the thing with with botch, okay, I do want to talk about this. Um,
1: I was I was really really pleased that the that the radio station invited me to to the uh, to his tribute, um, and thank you very much for that. Um, botch is the single biggest talent I've ever been around, and he drove me crazy. <laughs> I know he drove you crazy. He drove me. I, I wanted to kill him. I mean, yeah, yeah, but I, uh, you know, yeah, but I go just, through yeah. the wall for him, you go, ah! Um, the, <laughs> so, so I'm not gonna get into it, but he, you, you look at, 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 what he was capable of doing, the vision that he had. He wrote a column for The Athletic on Patterson, which is this, the single best piece I've ever seen, right? <laughs> and, <laughs> I read it, and he comes in, sits down. We, go, we come in the air, and I throw him a compliment. And like, that is brilliant, Jason, blah, blah, blah. Who cares what you
0: think? Yeah, exactly.
1: And I'm going, Ugh, blah, blah. <laughs> Okay, move along. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that was Jason. <laughs> that was Botch. Yeah. Um, we talk about podcasts, a funny story. Our um, former <laughs> sports editor here, Jonathan McDonald, I remember when we started having trying to get Jason on the road by phone. And they were in Pittsburgh and Jonathan was trying to do the sports talk shtick. Yeah. And he's like, Jason, so you're in Pittsburgh. Um, which river are you by? I understand Pittsburgh has three rivers. Or he's trying to be the like Ronnie radio and Botch is, you know, he's on the phone. He's like, that's stupid. And he hangs up. <laughs> yeah, <exactly. laughs> And again, that's the beauty. People would be losing their minds on the radio, but it's a podcast and you have a good laugh about it, right? But that was Jason. You'd ask him to do <sighs> something. He'd say, no, why would I do it? Why do I care what you yeah, think? And no. then he'd always deliver it for me, but yeah. better than I had asked for. So. Yeah. Oh, no, yeah, no. But it no. Is, it's It's an entertainment and it's a personality-driven business. Yeah. So, you know, are you looking to have people like Bruce Allen on? Absolutely. And and Carrie Marshall? Like- well, yeah. Like I said, Carrie Marshall is, is, is co-hosting with me. Bruce Allen's
1: my next-door neighbor.
0: <laughs> <laughs> He's
1: about to get the phone call to come on the show and then I'm going to ask him to get Buble, Um <laughs> who I've known since he was working at the club so that's that's how old I am. Um but yeah the, the the thing is um there is no boundaries with with a podcast. Um I am not obsessed with the idea of dropping f bombs that, that that doesn't do anything for me. Um but uh the the thing that I, that I'm really really looking forward to more than anything else because we're going to be doing it uh, right from my kitchen table. Uh, unless we've got a guest, then we'll get out of the conference room. But anyway, <laughs> um, is the fact that the joy in my life is about to be returned. Um, and it has been a, a, an incredible journey the last, oh, two and a half months. Um, and I'm going, am I really here? Am I really walking into that? Am I talking to this guy? Blah, blah, blah. Uh, to get it all up and running. Um but the, the most important thing is that, uh, the joy returns on Wednesday next week, uh, a couple of days just in front of the entry draft. How did, yeah. do, how did we time that? Thank I you know. very much. Uh, but, uh, as a free
0: agency yeah, and then, yeah, all, all,
1: all of it that, that goes along with it. And, uh, and, uh, and we'll fire this thing up. And we'll, we're, like I said before, we're, we're going to do the one thing that I like more than anything else. We're going to have some fun. Gonna have Gregor Robertson on. Gregor. No, he's not the mayor anymore. Oh God! Do, do you know? Can, can I say one thing before I get out of here? Okay. So I live right at the foot of Hornby Street, right? Yeah. Okay. So, what is it with these these cyclists that now have decided they they
0: that there they we go well, they, we got there in the no, end? No, no,
1: no, no. Th- that they now own the sidewalks. What what is it with the cyclists and this? Now they own the sidewalks too. Okay. It's not enough with that; to get their own little bike lanes. Now they have to be on the sidewalks, and I I I now have to protect my dog to take him out for a piss. I go, you little oh <laughs> uh, that's great. Uh, okay, I love it, Dave.
0: Well, it's been almost an hour. Thanks for 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 coming down and doing this. Um, definitely look forward to listening to your your podcast along the way. Um, I know you've talked about having some of our writers here. Absolutely. No, um, you, so, you you know,
1: will look. be on the other side of this. Yeah,
0: Cous, all of it. Absolutely.
1: Then I'm coming after you. I <laughs> <laughs> look forward to it,
0: Dave. I want to thank you for coming in, um, everyone. You can subscribe and listen to our Whitetail podcast here. We got a lot of stuff done uh sort of heading into the draft we're going to have national writers as the eyes of the world are on vancouver we're going to be talking all things hockey over the next couple of weeks and then in a free agency so subscribe to the whitetail podcast through apple podcast you don't want to miss this episode and obviously you know give dave's a visit too there's no limit to the amount of podcasts you can listen to thanks to Dar McWanna for doing the production on this and uh we'll talk to you so- or you can hear us again soon next week